We had no hope of ever being righteous, but he took on our sins so we could take on his righteousness. You ought to clap your hands to the Lord in thanksgiving for that. Thank God. So these five things, God secured these five things for us. Number one, he made us qualified. Number two is also found in verse two of Colossians chapter one. He rescued us from Satan's domination and made us his children. If you flipped over one page, you're going to see in Colossians 2.15 that Paul says that he spoiled principalities and powers. He made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. All these powers of darkness, these things that generate these fears that we have, all those principalities and powers have already been triumphed over by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And those things that we cannot see, he's already rescued us from Satan's domination and made us children. The third thing is in verse 13 of Colossians chapter 1. He hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated or transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. So the third thing that Jesus has done, he has brought us into his kingdom. Corroborating verses, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, where Paul says, Having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. The fourth thing that he has secured for us is found in verse 14 of Colossians 1, in whom we have redemption through his blood. He brought or he bought us freedom from sin. The word redemption just simply means he paid the price. In Hebrews 9, 12, Paul said, Neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. The fifth thing that he did, number 5 in verse 14 it just simply, Paul goes on to say, even the forgiveness of sins. So he forgave all our sins. Ephesians 1.17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We need to understand that he has forgiven us all our sin. Let me tell you who Jesus is. Keith Hunt, who used to be an elder in the church we pastored there in Bloomington many years ago. He wrote that song, Let Me Tell You Who Jesus Is. It's been recorded. Let me tell you who Jesus is based on the words of what Paul wrote here in Colossians chapter 1. This is one of the strongest statements of Jesus' divine nature. Look at these words in Colossians 1.15. Talking about Jesus, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in him he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell, 
And having made peace through the blood of the cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Jesus, the image of the invisible God. The scripture lets us know, number one, that Jesus is equal to God. In Philippians 2, 6, who been in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But the scripture also lets us know Jesus is God. John 10, 30, Jesus himself said, I and my Father are one. In John 10, 38, Jesus says, but if I do... Though you believe not me, believe the works that you may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. And in John 12, 45, he told Philip, when Philip was bringing the question to, uh, to the conversation, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be happy. And Jesus said in John 12, 45, he that seeth me hath, hath seen him that seeth me, that sent me. Pardon me. He that seeth me seeth him that sent me. Jesus also reflects and reveals God. John 1.18, No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Jesus did not come from dust and return to dust. He came from heaven. He is from heaven. You and I came from dust. We're going to return to dust. He did not. He is Lord of all. I know this is elementary to all of y'all that are here tonight, but Paul threw this into the middle of this dissertation because there's a reason. Y'all going to have it or understand it here in a moment. He is Lord of all. With his own words, Jesus said in Matthew 28, 18, He came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Paul said in Romans 9, 5, Whose are the fathers and of whom as concerned in the flesh Christ came? Who is over all? God bless forever. Amen. Revelation 17, 14. John gives us this conclusion of the, of the scripture. He says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them. For he is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. He is Lord of all. He is also completely holy. And God's been dealing with my heart. If y'all don't want to hear about holiness, don't come Sunday morning. God has been dealing with my heart that we have a revival of the righteousness and the holiness and the godliness of the God that we serve. We need a renewed awe of how great he is. And he is completely holy. Hebrews 7, 26, For such an high priest became us who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. I'm afraid there's some people that are in this world today that think that Jesus would wear jeans and eat brats and drink beer with them and tell a few dirty jokes. That's not Jesus. You don't need a buddy. You need a Savior. And you need somebody that is higher and holier and mightier and greater than you are. 
If I'm going down, I don't want somebody that's in the drowning state with me to try to save me. If I'm drowning, I want somebody that's in a secure place trying to save me. If I'm going down, I don't want you jumping in after me. I want you to throw a life jacket toward me. I want you to throw a, 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 a life ring toward me. And we don't want a God that is right here buddy-buddy with us. I don't want my Savior to wake up in the mornings with the same problems that I've got. He went through these things. He was tempted in all points like as we are, but he stepped over them. He overcame them. He was victorious over them, and he is able to help us now. He's already gone on victoriously, accomplished his work, and he's able to help me. I don't know if he had problems that you and I have. I, I, don't, I don't know. Jesus didn't live as long as me. He didn't live to be 50-something. He didn't live to have a pot belly. And my belly is not from beer, y'all. My belly is from my love of sugar. And Dale Rios, you know, Dale that walks around here just making his suits look good, making his T-shirts look good. Told me one time, I asked him, I said, Dale, what do I have to do to lose my belly? He's all pasta. You got to cut out sugar. You got to cut it down to where it's like 18 grams a day. So I went home and looked it up. That's what's in my first cup of coffee. <laughs> so I revisited the subject and I said, forget it. But when it comes to having a Savior, I don't care if Jesus overcome coffee or not. That's not a problem. I kind of like it. When it comes to having a Savior, when it comes to needing somebody to be there for me and to save me from myself, I don't need a buddy. I need a God. I need somebody that's King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what I need. I don't want somebody to wear jeans and drink beer with. I don't even care about that nonsense. I want somebody that can pull me out of the dregs and save my soul and set me on the right path and give me power to overcome. That's what I need. Verse 27 of Hebrews 7, Who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. First John 3, 5, And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. He is Lord of all. He is completely holy. He has authority. 2 Corinthians 5.10, it's him that we're going to stand before. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things which he hath done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. He's the one that's the authority. 2 Timothy 4.1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and at his kingdom why do we need a reawakening of this or reawakening of this is because we need a new understanding of the awe the righteousness the holiness the greatness 
of our Lord. You see, if we don't believe who Jesus is, our faith is pointless. And Paul threw this in the middle of this passage in Colossians chapter 1. He talked about what the Lord's done for us. And then he talks about who he is. Because it really doesn't matter what he did for us if he wasn't who he was. And there are three things. If you're writing these notes down, just write this. There's three things that we are because of him. I read to you these things in this passage of Scripture. We're qualified. Because of him, he hath made us meet to be partakers of the kingdom. So we're qualified. We're delivered from the power of Satan and we're transferred into the kingdom of our Lord. We're qualified, we're delivered, we're transformed or transferred. And then we are placed here for a purpose. We labor. Paul goes on to say that. So I'm going to start tying this together and come back to how we're going to pray for each other. We labor. Paul said in Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. This is the work of Jesus. Then he says, If you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church, whereof I am made a minister according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, even the mystery which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. And in verse 29, it's one of my favorite verses. Paul says, Whereunto I also labor, striving according to his working, which worketh in me mightily. You see, Paul knew what his ministry was. He knew what he was to do. He knew the purpose of his ministry, but he also knew where the power for his ministry came from. And he understood that I'm striving, I'm working according to his working. The word or the phrase for his working is simply the word energio. It is the Holy Ghost power that is working in my life. It worketh in me mightily. So we ought to be praying that we'd have this understanding of who the Lord is. We'd have that understanding of who we are. We'd have this understanding of what he's done and what he's doing in and through our lives. So here's how we're going to get to that, all right? This is how we're going to help each other out. Do y'all, when I tell you what I'm about to tell you, I just need to know if you really believe it or not. Because sometimes y'all look at me like, I don't, know, I don't know if I believe that. So I'm going to tell you something, and then I need to know if you really believe it. And if you really believe it, I want you to stick your hand up in the air. 
I, I don't want to start crying. I won't compose myself. I really need you. All right, so four of you believed it. Mama believes it, yeah. Yeah, I do need you, Mom. I really do. Bonnie, I didn't see your hand go up. Huh? Okay, okay, I'll start all over. How many of you, Edwin, do you get confused too? All right, so how far back do you want me to rewind this? Okay, so here's what I want you to raise your hand for. And this is the reason I want you to raise your hand, okay? Because sometimes, sometimes I say stuff up here and I don't know if y'all really believe what I'm saying or not. But when I say this, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. So if you believe what I'm about to say, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? I really need you. All right. I do need you. And the majority of you know that. And I know that many of you are sitting there thinking, we need you too. The truth of the matter is, is that we desperately need each other. I don't need, I don't need you so I'll have somebody to preach to. I actually preach better when y'all are not here. I preach better when I'm up here just preaching the empty chairs. I need you. It's not about me preaching to somebody. I want you to look at this. And Paul, Paul mentions the word Epaphras. It's a name of a man. He mentions him twice. He mentions him in Colossians chapter 1, verse 7. He mentions him in Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. He ends up talking about Epaphras to end up this book of Colossians. In Colossians chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Epaphras who is one of you. This is where I got the title. This is where it's going to start getting clear. This is why it's named this. Epaphras, who is one of you. He's not an apostle. He's not me. He's not Peter, James, or John. He is one of you. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you always laboring fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Epaphras is one of you and he's laboring fervently for you in prayers. Epaphras is working hard for you. What is he doing for you? He's praying for you that you may stand perfect and complete and in all the will of God. You know what we need at FPC? We need a whole lot more Epaphrases. We need people that would grab a hold of a face of someone that sits on the chair down the row from us and say, God, I pray for that one right now. I pray that you would help them to stand perfect and be complete and be mature in their faith and that they would please you in all things in their life. So as we go into, and beginning next week, we're going to start our time of focused prayer. And next week will be a week of consecration. And I want to set you up for this. And God laid this on my heart. I'm going to close with this on the back of your card. 
Let's go back. And let me read these verses in the first part of Colossians chapter 1. And then we're going to go over these points and close. Colossians chapter 1, Paul is writing to this church. And he's greeting all of them. And in verse 3, he said, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love which you have to all the saints. For the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof you have heard before in the word of the truth of the gospel, which is come unto you as it is in all the world, and bringeth forth fruit as it doth also in you, since the day you heard of it, and knew the grace of God in truth. As you also learned of Epaphras, this is Colossians 1.7, our dear fellow servant who is for you a faithful minister in Christ, or of Christ, who also declared unto you, who also declared unto us your love in the Spirit. In verse 9, reading down through verse 11, Paul says, For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of, of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. On the back of your card, look at it with me. Seven things was mentioned in that reading of Scripture on how to pray for others. Number one was mentioned in verse three. To be thankful for their faith and changed lives. Not everybody is at the same place in their faith walk. But we ought to look around and we ought to say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done, for what you're doing, for the way you've changed their lives. The second thing is found in verse 9. Ask God to help them know. The third thing is found also in verse 9. Ask God to give them deep understanding. The next thing is found in verse 4, or, or the, verse 10. The fourth thing is found in verse 10. Ask God to help them live for Him. The Scripture says that you might walk worthy. This is how we pray, that you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. If you're frustrated with how those around you in the church are living, well, pray, God, just help them to live for you. Help their life to be more fruitful. We're too quick to talk about each other, to each other, when we should be talking about each other to him. Ask God to give, number five, ask God to give them more knowledge of him. That's found in verse 10. And number six, ask God to give them strength for endurance. That's found in verse 11. And number seven, ask God to fill them with joy and thankfulness. That's found in verse 11. I want you to stand, and I want Mom Beecham to come up here. And I want her to close this out by just praying over us. And I want you to keep this card. I want to thank the office team for putting this together. And I want us to keep this card. Stick it in your Bible. And as we begin 
this focused time of prayer and fasting that's going to take us through this next few weeks. My number one request is that you begin praying one for another in this church body. Okay? Let's join together and let's pray right now, Ma. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for these precious words that we've heard. As a remembrance, God, of what we need to be doing. And we pray, God, that as we go through these next few weeks, God, that we will learn to pray more for each other. God, and talk about them to you, dear God. Lord, you're so good to all of us, and we thank you, God, for your many blessings. God, I pray that we will walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have called us all, dear God, that we as a church body will reach out to those that are hurting. God, that we will be able to bring souls for you, God, that we will always look to you. You're the author and the finisher of our faith, God, and we thank you for everything that you've done, for the way you are moving in our midst. We thank you for these precious new ones that have come in, God, in the last few months. And God, we pray that as we work with them, God, that we would be patient and loving and kind. God, that we can all win more souls to your kingdom. In your name we ask it, Lord. Amen. God bless you. I love all of you. Be blessed. In Jesus' name, Pop, you got your class tomorrow? Pop's class at 10 o'clock in the youth room. Be blessed in Jesus' name.